0: Yo, what's up guys? This is SGR number 69. You know, I sat here and I racked my brain for some cheesy, you know, 69 joke that you guys could all cringe at while listening to this, but I, re- I drew a blank. So I think we're just going to move past it. We'll keep it professional on this episode. Um, we are talking about the New York Jets today. And again, we're just going to jump right into it. You know, the Jets, not that many fantasy-relevant players here, a team that has not been good historically, at least recently and kind of underwhelming but they are trying to build something here i do like a lot of the pieces that they've added over the last two three years or so so we do have to talk about them and 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 look into the potential that maybe this team can eventually climb out of the gutter of that afc east so let's take a look let's see if that this team at least can make things interesting this year and maybe be relevant from a fantasy perspective let's dive into the numbers Obviously, I just mentioned the lack of recent success. This Jets team has not had a winning season since 2015 when they went 10-6, and and they only have two seasons where they have finished at least 500 or better in the last 10 years. So it has been rough. They're trying to turn things around. Last year was the first year with new head coach Robert Sala. Old Bob Sala got this team to a 4-13 record, fourth in the AFC East 14th in the AFC overall, and obviously you don't make the playoffs when you do that. They covered at a rate of 6 and 11. That's 35.3% covering the spread. That was tied for third, worst in the NFL. So if you just blindly bet against the Jets last year, you did pretty fucking well. Not a good football team. Offense was ranked 28th in points per game, 18.2. 26th in yards per game, 306.4. Uh, Defense, dead last in points and yards per game. This was the worst defense in the NFL by a pretty solid margin last year. 29.6 points per game allowed. That is an average of 11.4 points more than they were scoring. And 397.6 yards allowed per game. That is 91 yards more than they were producing. Their turnover margin also did not help them. Tied for second worst in the NFL at a minus 13 turnover rate. Any other year, that would have been the worst in the NFL, but Urban Meyer in Jacksonville not to be outdone. Um, We'll talk about him in a few episodes, but Jesus Christ, Urban. Anyways... Circling back to the Jets coaching staff, moving away from the Jaguars, uh, the main change for this team was that they changed offensive coordinators. They now have offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur as the play caller here. Um, He, you know, you'll recognize the last name, little brother of Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. Uh, He has been in the Shanahan coaching system. You, You know, we talked about Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel yesterday. um, There's a lot of these guys coming from the Shanahan coaching tree, and it makes sense. It's a very uh, productive, efficient offense. Um, So Shanahan, uh, assistant since 2014, he was with them in Cleveland. He followed him to Atlanta. He followed him to San Francisco, and now he is with the New York Jets. Um, Obviously, the connection there, Robert Sala, two years ago, was the defensive coordinator with the 49ers, so he's, he's obviously got some connections on that Shanahan coaching staff. So... My mouth gets a little dry talking to myself here, um, so i got to take a water break. But we will uh, we'll be getting in here to the personnel. want to talk about the key losses in free agency, <clears throat> the guys that said, fuck this, I'm not playing for the Jets anymore. And who can really blame them? You know, I'm not going to hold back on some of these episodes. I almost wanted to come in here and be optimistic about the Jets, and then I realized, what the fuck am I doing? Um, Defensive tackle Foley Fatukasi. he moved on to Jacksonville. So that guy's going to spend his career playing for the Jets and the Jags. Jesus Christ, you better be getting the fucking bag, buddy. Um, Safety Marcus May, who's a really good player, I would say their most significant loss, uh, especially on this defense, Um, he went and signed with New Orleans. so New Orleans just has basically every safety in the league now. Um, The offensive tackle Morgan Moses pieced out of New York. Wide receiver Jamison Crowder we talked about joined the Buffalo Bills on episode 66 here. Uh, Wide receiver Keelan Cole is no longer on the team, a guy you remember from being almost relevant with the Jags a few years ago. Inside linebacker Jared Davis joined this team for a year and then went back to Detroit. So... No luck for him either, making an upgrade in a franchise. Um, tight end Ryan Griffin no longer on the team. Tight end Tyler Croft left as well. So not many big names besides Fotukoski and Marcus May, um, but some uh, some significant depth pieces here. And Ryan Griffin showed up once in a while in the end zone, um, kind of replaced the hype that Chris Herndon had behind him in the fantasy communities, uh, whatever. I hate talking about these guys. Anyways, this team actually did make um, some pretty decent signings in free agency, which should give you a little optimistic. I don't know if I have any Jets fans that listen to this show. If so, sorry for my tone so far. It's just the Jets are the fucking Jets. Um, but they, they spent some money. They grabbed an offensive guard from the 49ers, Laken Tomlinson, who's a really good player. Again, you see, you know, Robert Sala trying to grab guys that he's familiar with, guys that have played in Matt Le- or Mike LaFleur's, uh, you know, Shanahan, based zone run scheme and i think it makes sense they've actually really beefed up the offensive line over the last two off seasons or so and i really actually like that for this team uh overall i see this team um trying to build through the trenches which is the correct way to do it you know um yes you know they spent some first round picks on a receiver in a corner this year but their last two or three off seasons have been about um, making that offensive and even the defensive line, uh, you know, more of a focal point and more of a priority to invest in. And, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I think their offensive line is actually pretty decent at this point compared to a few years ago. Um, Warren Sharp, Sharp Football, has them ranked as the 20th O-line, which, like, if you're a Jets fan, you should be happy with that because a few years ago they were probably the worst O-line in the league. So they're building something. They have some young talent there. Lakin Tomlinson to go along with Makai Becton they drafted a few years ago and Elijah Veritucca from last year, the top uh, drafted offensive guard in that draft. So they have a few pieces there. Um, I I love offensive line, if you guys can't tell. Uh, tight end CJ Uzama came over from the Bengals, had a relatively decent you know mini breakout last year with the Bengals. um so he's penciled in his tight end one uh they also brought in tyler conklin the tight end from the vikings who uh saw a lot of reps last year in replacement of irv smith in minnesota um he's currently tight end two on the roster it may be a little bit of a battle i believe uzama got more money though to come over so he should be the starter um They also brought in safety DJ Reed. He is a starter on the roster. Safety Jordan Whitehead, he's also penciled in as a starter right now. That secondary really did not have much talent at all over the last few years, specifically last year, and they had to invest with those two veterans, You know, obviously drafting Sauce Gardner as well, who we'll get to. Um, Last few additions here, outside linebacker Jake Martin, defensive end Solomon Thomas, another guy coming over from San Francisco to rejoin former defensive coordinator Robert Sala. Um, he's a veteran guy that did not really turn into the superstar that the 49ers were hoping, but, um, anytime that you're like a young, unestablished head coach trying to build a culture, makes sense to bring in some of those guys that you're familiar with. And some of the guys that are going to be able to, you know, act as an example to the, to the other guys that, you know, maybe aren't as, uh, up to date with the program yet. Um, lastly, uh, Greg, the leg, uh, kicker, Greg Zerline is now a New York jet. So, We'll talk about the draft. You know, I just teased a little bit their first pick uh, round one, fourth pick overall cornerback sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. One of the cooler nicknames we've heard in a long time. You guys know I get a boner for cool names here. I think, you know, it dramatically increases uh, the chances of this guy turning into a superstar. Ahmad Gardner, still a very solid name. Like I would not hold anything against him if this guy was drafted fourth overall and his name was Ahmad. But this guy is the sauce, man. He's got to be a dog with that name. Uh, really excellent player. I expected him to be the top corner drafted. The Texans kind of shocked us all by grabbing Derek Stingley Jr. with the third overall pick. Um, but sauce to me looks like a surefire can't miss shutdown corner in the NFL. Um it, to me, I'm kind of bummed that he went to the Jets not to get back to being pessimistic. I think this guy is one of the swaggiest players I've seen come out of the draft in a really long time. Um, he literally has like a, a diamond chain with like a, a jewel uh, little jar or a little sauce bottle, and he actually keeps like barbecue sauce and hot sauce and shit in it on him. Like, this guy's unreal. I think he's a hell of a football player, though. Like, go watch his tape from Cincinnati, elite, elite corner and ball skills. I think Um, sky's the limit for Sauce Gardner. They actually had three first-round picks. One of them they had to trade back up into the first round, so let's not get bogged down in the sauce, Uh, lost in the sauce maybe. Um, uh, Tenth overall pick, wide receiver Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I I actually thought he would be the number one receiver off the board, and again, a little bit of a shocker with the Falcons taking Drake London at pick eight. Um, this guy looks to be, you know, potentially a complete receiver. Ohio State does nothing but produce talent at the receiver position. If you look over that last X amount of years, I mean, Chris Olave was also a first-round pick in this draft, and then you go into the history of the Terry McLaurins, the Michael Thomases. We could go all day here. Um, it seems like a good pick, and you know, you bring in another weapon to hopefully help develop Zach Wilson. We haven't even begun the Zach Wilson conversation. I can't believe we're 11 minutes into this and we haven't even mentioned him, I think, on the entire uh, show. But clearly with the investment in the offensive line over the last few years and the weapons, I mean, they have Garrett Wilson here to pair with Elijah Moore, who's a really explosive, talented receiver we'll talk about in the fantasy segment. Uh, that they drafted last year in the second round these are two young you know very good very talented weapons where if they can get any sort of competent quarterback play from zach wilson these guys um these guys are both studs again it's like a thing where like whether elijah moore got drafted to the jets i was bummed because i was like damn like i was really looking forward to seeing where he'd go in the draft i would have been cool with the eagles grabbing him like if you're telling me that the eagles could have gotten like Patrick Sertan Jr. or J.C. Horn last year in the first round, and then went back and got um, Elijah Moore in the second. I would have much rather taken that over Devonte Smith and our who, who we drafted in the second round. It was an offensive lineman. But st- what I'm saying is, like, rather than spending the first on Devonte Smith, if I could have got a better player in the first and then get Elijah Moore, I would have loved that at the value. I think Elijah Moore has potential to be a really fantastic player. So. Again, getting off topic, they added another weapon here. So now they have Wilson as Elijah Moore as as a a really good duo. uh, I mentioned they traded back up into the first round to draft Florida State defensive end Jermaine Johnson. Uh, This guy had maybe the most drastic slide in the entire draft, projected to be possibly a top 10, um, for sure top 15 pick, I would say, in the draft. Fell all the way down to pick 26, and the Jets had to jump on it. There was rumors that the Jets could take him at – maybe four overall and, uh, definitely 10 overall was in play for Jermaine Johnson. So haven't really heard much about why he slipped in the process, but the jets, uh, really had interest in this guy and were able to go get him in addition with two other first rounders. So their fourth pick was also, uh, pretty much a home run, uh, running back Brees Hall, the top running back drafted in this class out of Ohio of out of Iowa state, excuse me, um, these first four picks are all fucking slam dunks like the Jets had a very good draft. Very good. Uh, round three tight end Jeremy Ruckert. Round four offensive tackle Max Mitchell out of Louisiana. Oh, Ruckert's out of Ohio State, too, by the way. So they do nothing but produce talent. Um, and round four defensive end Michael Clemens out of Texas A&M to round out the draft recap. So we'll talk more about some of these players that they added as far as Wilson and Brees Hall in the fantasy segment. But I will say I mentioned earlier that they are trying to build in the trenches trenches. And I mentioned, you know, mainly their offensive line. But let's talk about the D line for a second, because I want to talk about Jermaine Johnson here and his impact. Kind of you can see the investment in that pass rush and in that D line. I think the trademark of those San Francisco defenses during Robert Sala's time as defensive coordinator was obviously the defensive line. They were stacked with uh, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, um, Eric Armstead, uh, Solomon Thomas was there. They had some other guys. I think D. Ford was there at one point, if I'm not mistaken, like some real dogs on that defensive line. And uh, that was kind of, like I said, the identity of that defense that gave Salah a lot of success. I think that's where he's investing the most on this defense right now. Uh, you look at the defensive line and actually a lot of pretty solid names there. Let's read off some of the ends and tackles here. Starting with the defensive ends, Carl Lawson, Vinny Curry. Um, John Franklin Myers is an interesting guy, kind of plays that outside linebacker, pass rusher role. And he was off to a hot start last year before he got injured, I believe. Um, and then you also have the first round pick Jermaine Johnson, uh, and Solomon Thomas as well in that defensive end group. And then Sheldon Rankins and Quinn and Williams are two very good, uh, starting defensive tackles. Quinn and Williams first round pick from three years ago, you know, he, he was very young and very, let's say raw and, you know, athletically talented, but maybe not polished technique wise coming out of, uh, college. I can't remember what school he went to. I think it was Bama actually. Um, but anyways, super talented, super young guy needed to develop. This is his third year. You know, maybe Quentin Williams takes another step, and that D-line really starts, starts to wreak havoc on people. I think that's where we're going to – if we see this Jets team turning around at all, it's because they get good offensive and defensive line play. And obviously, you know, we'll circle back. Zach Wilson needs to fucking act like an NFL quarterback and, like, play like one. Um I've made it 16 minutes into this episode without talking about uh, Zach Wilson banging his his mom's friend, and I just can't hold back anymore. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on this. You guys have seen plenty of memes probably on social media this week, and I'm sure every other sports show in the world has talked about this, but I can't not mention it. People are saying, like, oh, Zach Wilson's a dog. Like, I actually believe in him more after that. Like, I'm sorry, but that's – I don't give a shit, really, like, it's a funny story, it's really, it's kind of cool, like, good for him, like, she was probably really hot, his mom is really hot, so it would make sense that she has hot friends, they're very rich, they're kind of uh, hoity-toity, like, kind of that waspy, like, look at me, I'm, like, I have the perfect life kind of family, which I really, I just really don't like Zach Wilson, so, like, good for him that he's getting some ass, um, I actually really love the fact that his girlfriend dumped him and then called him out on social media. That was amazing. Um, Good for you. Um, (laughs) Fuck Zach Wilson. Like, I don't care that he's banging milfs over here. I don't think he's a good quarterback. And I've kind of been holding back on that this whole episode too, but let's just do the Zach Wilson rant. I basically like everything that this team has done over the last two to three offseasons besides drafting Zach Wilson. Um <clears throat> their uh, v- uh vice pre- excuse me their general manager is former vice president of football personnel with the Philadelphia Eagles when they won uh the Super Bowl in 2017 and I uh sorry guys my laptop's glitching out here we go um I think that they've built this team very well uh, as far as the drafts, the last three years have been phenomenal. I mentioned Quinn and Williams, Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker was the top uh, offensive guard ranked in the draft last year. They snagged him. Um, they got uh, fuck, like I said, three first round picks this year um, with Sauce, uh, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson, and then the top running back in this draft. Like they are building very well. Mackay Becton was a home run at offensive tackle as well. But I don't think any of it fucking matters if you don't have a quarterback, and I will not believe in Zach Wilson. I told you guys I wanted to come into this optimistic. I wanted to come into this kind of like, oh, I have mixed feelings. Maybe the Jets could make a push this year. I just don't see it, and I'm not going to hold back. If you guys want to clip this and fucking come at me in six months when Zach Wilson is the MVP of the NFL and the Jets go to the fucking Super Bowl, go for it. This team's still going to suck. I like some of the young talent. It's just a situation that I see almost kind of like the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, except not as talented because the Bears had like the best defense in the NFL during that time. And the Jets clearly still have work to do on defense, especially in the secondary. Like they don't really have anyone besides sauce. Um, but it's a situation where like that Bears team was never going to go anywhere because Mitch Trubisky's not a good fucking quarterback. And it's you have to be able to just like recognize that shit right off the bat, like I'm not trying to toot my own horn and say that I get it right every time, but there are certain quarterbacks where I, I just need to plant my flag and say, no, I won't get tricked by this guy. I won't buy into the hype. I, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I will not support this guy as an NFL quarterback. Most recent one that I've really planted my flag down and continue to look pretty good for me, Daniel Jones isn't a fucking NFL quarterback. Why are the Giants giving that guy four fucking years? And I just have the same fears for this Jets franchise. They can draft all the Pro Bowl offensive linemen and receivers they want, but if Zach Wilson's under center, this team can go fuck themselves. How you like that? Ask me how I really feel right so let's get into the schedule now that we got that out of the way (laughs) this team has the 27th ranked difficulty of schedule they have a brutal path and again that's part of the reason i tried to come into this episode and tried to find an angle to be optimistic and i can't do it listen to this shit Listen to this shit. Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, Broncos, Patriots, Bills, Patriots, Bears, Vikings, Bills, Lions, Jags, Seahawks, Dolphins. Okay, so you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me the last four weeks don't sound too hard. You're right. I think the Dolphins are significantly better than them, though. I think the Lions are better than the Jets this year. I, I, Low-key, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what the Lions do and build in their second year with Dan Campbell up there. I think they could be sneaky this year to go over their win total. We'll get to that later when we do the NFC North let's talk about the first fucking 10 12 weeks of this schedule do you see a win until they play the Chicago Bears at the last week of November they might not get a win until fucking after Thanksgiving this team legitimately now upsets happen maybe in week three or week two you know chances are Deshaun Watson's not playing for the Browns and maybe they can sneak one past Jacoby Brissett But this team's not beating the Ravens. They're not beating the Bengals. They're not beating the Steelers. You can be down on the Steelers if you want, but they're basically the same team last year, except with more mobility at the quarterback position. They shouldn't be fucking plus 950 to win their division. It's disrespectful. Mike Tomlin's never lost more than eight games in a season, and now their over-under is only eight wins. What the fuck? Um... They're not going to beat the Packers. They're not going to beat the Broncos. They're not going to beat the Patriots. They're not going to beat the Bills. They're not going to beat the Patriots again. They're not going to beat the Vikings. They're not going to beat the Bills again. This team is utterly fucked. Their over-under for wins is five and a half. Over is minus 160 and under is plus 135. I don't get the odds. Apparently Vegas is taking a bunch of cash on the over for this as well. I don't get it. You know, I might be taking this under plus 135. I'm going to endorse that on this pod. And again, if I'm caught dead wrong on this, it'll be funny to laugh about, oh, man, I really didn't see the Jets coming. Man, I was wrong on Zach Wilson. But you know what? I'm not here to record these episodes and give you guys half-assed maybe takes. I'm going to plant my flag. Zach Wilson's a fucking bum. He probably won't be in the NFL in three years. He went to BYU where he faced pretty shitty competition and had literally 8 seconds in the pocket every time. You're not going to get that in the NFL no matter how much they invest at the offensive line. So, good fucking luck winning 5 games this year, Jets. Division plus 2,000, conference plus 8,500, Super Bowl 150 to 1. Go fuck yourselves. Chances to make the playoffs, yes, plus 700. 7 to 1 to just to make the playoffs. This team's got no fucking shot unless every quarterback in the AFC dies in a plane crash this offseason. Ask me how I really feel. That's it. Um, Let's get into the fantasy breakdown. God, it's fun to talk shit about the Jets. It's fun. It is fun. I hope they never get good so we can just continue talking about the Jets like this. It makes these episodes easier, too, when you don't even have to think about if the team's going to be good. So Zach Wilson, do you guys think that I'm in on him from a fantasy perspective? What do you think? Can you predict what I'm about to say here? (sighs) We're talking about Zach Wilson, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, CJ Uzama, and Tyler Conklin for this breakdown. I've got news for you guys right now. I'm not going to be drafting very many of these guys at all. Um, Honorable mentions for this offense. Backup quarterback is Joe Flacco. And the GOAT, Mike White, is still on the roster at QB3 if Flacco decides he's too old to play. Uh, Running back, Tevin Coleman, is buried on the depth chart here. That guy really disappeared quick. Also, running back, Ty Johnson, was relevant last year. Fourth string on the depth chart right now. Probably not in the picture for snaps after drafting Brees Hall in the second round. Uh, last honorable mentions, wide receiver Braxton Berrios, I think is actually kind of interesting. You know, he's not a guy that's being drafted in fantasy. He's not a guy you'll probably pick up unless he starts going bonkers and you can grab him off the waiver wire. He's got a little bit of like that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. Of course, I'm going to be a stereotypical racist and only compare him to white guys who play the slot because that's exactly what he is. But hey man, it's just, it's low hanging fruit and I'm going to snatch it right now. Um, he's that kind of player. Also, wide receiver Denzel Mims, they drafted him in the second round out of Baylor just like three years ago, and he's essentially like almost going to get cut off this team. I thought I'd bring him up because he had high draft capital, and I thought he was a talented guy in the draft, but uh, it looks like this team, by drafting Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson since him, just is not invested anymore. So, as you guys get to listen to me chew ice, sorry about that, quarterback Zach Wilson, 176th overall not being drafted in fantasy drafts quarterback 24 off the board last year being drafted 200th overall qb 26 finished at quarterback 30 only played 13 games 37th in points per game Uh, this year the jets have the absolute most difficult fantasy schedule for quarterbacks and receivers so i already fucking hate zach wilson and they also have the toughest schedule in the league for qbs and receivers I'm not going to be investing in this Jets passing game at all. I'll tell you right now, if there's a player I end up with on this Jets team, I might take a, sh- a a stab. Excuse me. I can't talk today, guys. I might take a stab at Brees Hall in the fourth round of my fantasy draft if I still need a running back. I think he's talented. I think this wants to be a run-first team. I think if they want to win games, they have to be a run-first team because they don't have a fucking quarterback. And, uh... Brees Hall, talented guy, could be in for a heavy workload, not much competition. The other running back on the team is Michael Carter, and I don't see him really being much of a part of the game plan. I think the game plan is Brees, and then Carter just comes in there when they need a few snaps, a rest, maybe some third down work. But I think Brees can catch the ball competently too. So just have the – Jets, don't fuck around with this. Just put Brees on the field. Just don't fuck around with a committee – Don't fuck with the fantasy community like that. The Jets actually have the fifth easiest schedule for running backs. So they're, you know, 32nd schedule for QBs, 32nd for receivers, and 23rd for tight ends. But fifth for running backs? I mean, I'm growing on Brees Hall as we get closer to the season, and if I can grab him late third, early fourth round in my fantasy drafts, I might take the shot on him. But, you know... Let's run through Zach Wilson's consistency rankings. Top six, 15.4% of the time. He did it twice last year. Uh, Never finished uh, quarterback seven through 12. Finished quarterback 13 to 24, 30.8% of the time. And busted out of the top 24, 53.8% of the time. Don't draft Zach Wilson. Um, Running backs. Brees Hall. Can't give you his consistency metrics. Can't give you where he finished last year. I just told you he's got the fifth easiest fantasy schedule for running backs. He's being drafted 39th overall, running back 20. I think he can easily finish top 20 at the running back position with the amount of workload and uh, offensive philosophy that I just laid out. The fact that this team has invested heavily at the offensive line the last two off seasons and just drafted this guy early in the second round, actually had to trade up to get him, I believe. Um, I'm really starting to warm up on Brees Hall. Michael Carter, on the other hand, being drafted 110th overall running back 38. Last year being drafted 95th overall running back 38, also. Um, Finished running back 30, believe it or not. Just because if you if you stay relatively healthy through the season, you'll probably be a top 36 running back. But played 14 games. Um, got some pass catching work to make him slightly relevant. Uh, finished 35th overall in points per game at the running back position. I'm just not into it. I'm not drafting him this year. There's other guys I could take my stab on. I think we talked about Chase Edmonds being at a similar point in your drafts just yesterday on the Dolphins episode. I'd way rather take the shot there. And you can get some better receivers in your draft at that point as well. Also, at running back, like at that point in your draft, you're better off just waiting until somebody gets injured the first couple weeks of the season and and trying to grab their backup off waivers. Michael Carter is a guy you draft. You're probably cutting him you know, week one, week two off your fantasy team. Let's talk receivers. Can't give you much on Garrett Wilson because he's a rookie. He didn't play last year. He's being drafted 89th overall and wide receiver 39. Maybe. But, again, I just don't love the situation. Zach Wilson at QB and and most difficult schedule for receivers for fantasy. I'm probably not taking, you know, an eighth-round pick on Garrett Wilson. I just think there's other guys. I just don't want that many pieces in this Jets offense. I really don't. Elijah Moore's uh, the top receiver drafted, going 54th overall, wide receiver 38. And I just can't – yeah, I can't draft Elijah Moore in the fifth round either. I'm just out on it. Last year he was being drafted 167th overall, uh, wide receiver 60. Finished at wide receiver 46, only uh, playing 11 games, um, which was uh, 30th in points per game at the position. I want to talk about Elijah Moore for a quick minute because he actually had some, I love him as a talent. Like the fact that I'm kind of talking shit about these guys, like I think Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and even Corey Davis are all really talented players. I just don't love the situation here. Um Elijah Moore, I'm like huge on. I said I was really looking forward to where that guy would be drafted and then he went to the Jets and I was kind of bummed out. Um from week 6 to week 12 last year, Elijah Moore was on a uh, um pace of uh 35 receptions, 472 yards and 5 touchdowns over a 6 week stretch. That includes a week 10 performance against the Dolphins last year who have a pretty good secondary in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and Javon Holland. Uh Elijah Moore went off for eight catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. He was the wide receiver one for fantasy that week. So this guy has a ton of juice. I like him more than Garrett Wilson in this offense, but I'm not willing to spend a first-round pick on a Jets receiver. Excuse me, a fifth-round pick on a Jets receiver. I won't do it. I think he's safer because he has more of a PPR floor. He's kind of that underneath. I mean, he's like 5'10", 170, guys. He's really quick. He's almost, you know, the easy comparison the low-hanging fruit when you're talking about a small, shifty guy with explosive speed is Tyreek Hill. I'm not calling him Tyreek, but I think think Elijah Moore is potentially a superstar receiver in the NFL, and that's why I was pissed off that they paired him with Zach Wilson. It's just kind of disappointing. It's almost like you see DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin and these guys just, like, play at an elite level but not be able to live up to the fantasy hype and not really be able to, like, get the national recognition that they deserve because they're elite receivers – In terrible offenses. And that's how I feel about Elijah Moore. Um, I said he went on that tear week six to week 12. He got injured, missed the rest of the season. Last year, he finished a top 12 receiver in 27.3% of his games, which was actually 19th best uh, as far as most, most consistent top 12 finishes. Uh, in the NFL. Um, wide receiver 13 to 24 in only 9.1 percent of the games. That's one time over the last season. Um, top 24 receiver 36.4 percent of his games and busted outside of the top 37 and 45 percent of his games. Again, he played with two or three different quarterbacks last year. Some of that was Zach Wilson. Some of it was Mike White. I don't know if he played with Joe Flacco, but You just, you can't put too much into this. Um, All that I want to say about Elijah Moore is the fact that he has extreme athletic potential. That's what I want to get home here. I'm just not crazy about the situation and the draft cost. And then, like I said, Garrett Wilson, we can't talk much about. I like his film at college. He's a very uh, talented player, again. Just can't buy into this passing game. And Corey Davis was off to a decent start last year before getting injured. And now that they have these two young guys that are clearly more talented, it looks like he's the third receiver on this team. Maybe even the fourth receiver if Braxton Berrios is a better fit in the offense. And I'm not optimistic. I mean, he's basically freeze being undrafted this year. Wide receiver 79, overall 195. Last year he was being drafted as the 41st receiver at 102 overall. Um, He only played nine games, got hurt. He had four touchdowns in those nine games. I had him over four and a half on the season, so lost that bet. That kind of sucked. Finished wide receiver 64 overall, 38 in points per game. And, again, dead last in terms of the toughest schedule for fantasy quarterbacks and receivers. Just do yourself a favor. Don't invest in this offense. Don't like the tight ends either. We'll make this super quick. C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin. I mean, I think they're both going to be vulturing each other's touchdowns and receptions. I don't see either being fantasy relevant. Uzama, obviously, you know, decent campaign last year, mainly predicated off of touchdowns. When you have Joe Burrow in that high-powered Cincinnati offense, you're going to fucking snag a couple touchdowns here and there. He's being drafted 306 overall, tight end 31. Conklin, 318 overall, tight end 33. Just don't touch these guys. Probably not even in a best ball. Um, Last year, both guys were being undrafted as well. uh, They actually both finished top 20, but at tight end, that's really not saying much. Uzama, tight end 17. Conklin, tight end 19 last year. uh, 16 and 17 games played, respectively. They finished 20th and 23rd in points per game, respectively. And uh, real quick, consistency Uzama top six, 12.5. Conklin top six, 11.8% of his games. Uh, that was 22nd and 24th ranked at the tight end position. Um, top 12, Uzama, 12.5%. Uh, Conklin, 17.6%. That was 42nd and 34th at the tight end position in consistency. And both these guys busted over 80% of the time outside of the top 12. So don't take any of these guys. I don't like the passing game. I like Brees Hall in the fourth round if you can get him as your RB2. And fuck Zach Wilson. He doesn't deserve to be banging milfs, damn it. I don't know how he pulled that off. Good for him. Money. Money. I guess. He looks like he's 12 fucking years old. I don't know. Maybe that lady's just got some sort of weird shit going on with her, but that's going to do it for the Jets. You know, 35 minutes, I think is enough. You guys have heard me rip this team apart long enough. I like to, I would like to say that they're building something, but I think they're stuck in quarterback purgatory for another few years. And, you know, you draft a guy in the first round, you're giving him at least three seasons, unless his name's Josh Rosen. So, Ah, sorry, Jets fans. Looks like you're stuck for a little bit longer. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, we are going to be moving on to our NFC East uh, series here. So we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys, then we'll move on to the Eagles, Commanders, and Giants. And we're going to keep this train rolling. So thanks for listening, guys. I am done here talking about the Jets, and I will let you get on to your shit. Ramble on.